Welcome to Harvest Echoes from Harvest Baptist Church on Guam. Since our founding in 1975, pastors, evangelists, and missionaries have traveled from all over the world to Guam to speak to our people, preaching and teaching the Word of God. We're providing you access to this rich archive of sermons and lessons on Harvest Echoes. Our mission is to help people develop a heart for God. These messages, presented in conferences and special services at Harvest, seek to point you toward the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Today, a message from Pastor Jeff Redlin. It was presented in October of 2015. The title of the message, A Fire for God. Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, says this. It came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, the wine was before him, and I took up the wine, and I gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. Okay, I want you to get the layout of the passage, okay? The passage of Scripture details a setting for us that is one of those tragic settings. In other words, Israel right now is a captive nation, but God had put Israel in favor with their captors. The city, the gates of the city, the walls were in ruins, And Nehemiah had just had someone. Nehemiah is the servant to the enemy. He is the king's cupbearer. The Bible even details that he had not before this time been sad in the king's presence. In other words, when you come into the presence of the king, everything's got to be in order. Your very life, your existence is connected to the king's happiness. But Nehemiah comes in this time before Artaxerxes the king, and the king notices immediately something's Something's not right with Nehemiah. And it scared Nehemiah, honestly, when the king pauses to ask him. The king says, Nehemiah, what's going on? And why are you saying, you've never before, in all the years that you have served me, you have never before had a sadness upon your face. Nehemiah, what's going on? I find this interesting. And by the way, this demonstrates the the fluidity, the, the ease with which we can go to God in prayer. The Bible says, so I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king. Have you ever had one of those prayers before? Where it's like, Lord, help me right now, and then you embark upon whatever? The king says, Nehemiah, why are you sad? Nehemiah prays to the God of heaven, and he said to the king, why shouldn't I be sad? The the gates of my fathers, my home, it's destroyed. The, the, the walls are laying in ruins and the gates are burned with fire. And then the king turns and he said, by the way, at that moment, the king could have said, take him out. 
and do away with him. I mean, with ease, Nehemiah's life could have been ended. But instead, the king says, huh, Nehemiah, what do you want to do? Now, I don't know if Nehemiah had even thought about this before, but Nehemiah is the kind of guy that just says, all right, if something has to be done, let's do it. And so Nehemiah had just whispered that prayer, Lord, help me to say what I'm supposed to say. He said to the king, and the king says back to him, Nehemiah, what do you want to do? I want to go back to Jerusalem, and I want to rebuild the walls. Walls are really important. Really important. In fact, walls are that which you and I rely upon every day. And spiritually speaking, the Bible oftentimes uses events to help us understand spiritual truths. Do you remember when the children of Israel are coming out of captivity and there's no water for them? They're thirsty. They had been three days traveling and there's no water. I mean, you guys come in from playing games. All of you guys have these water bottles. You're consuming liquid. You're staying hydrated. But for three days, you don't get to put water to your lips. And so they're saying to Moses, Moses, come on, we're, we're fresh out of Egypt. Did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Every circumstance that God puts you in can either be a setting, listen, to strengthen and build up your faith, or Satan uses that very thing as a wall to build up some resistance to God. Either it's going to be a wall that will protect you from the enemy, or a wall that, in a sense, keeps you from God. Okay, so they're coming out of Egypt. If they trust God, wow, another building block to say, oh, hey, my faith is strengthened. Another opportunity to heighten and build up a great wall. However, Satan's trying to use the very events in their lives to say, hey, God can't be trusted. Don't believe him. Do your own thing. Take matters into your own hands. Well, what God did for the people, obviously, is he provided water. He made bitter water sweet. Do you know that very instance, some people, I think, probably built up a little wall of resistance against God. And from the same event, some people built up a wall of resistance against the enemy, protection for them. What's Nehemiah going to do? Let's use what Nehemiah does as a little picture, so to speak, of what you and I should be doing. Okay, the first thing Nehemiah does, it's pretty plain to see, he just wants to build. The king says to him, okay, Nehemiah, what do you want to do? He says, my desire? I want to go build the wall. Hey, most, and I really do think this is true, most, not all, but most in here. This is really interesting. If you and I had the privilege to just sit down and talk, Jordan, I know your name, so so I can just use Jordan's name. Hey, Jordan, you believe there's a God in heaven? Yes, sir, I do. Cool. Okay, if there's a God in heaven, do you believe that he personally interacts with people? Uh, Yeah, I do. I think he cares about my life. Okay, good. So, Jordan, you believe there's a God in heaven. You believe he interacts, has a personal plan for your life. Do you think that the plan he has for people's lives is good, bad, or indifferent? Again, I'm making assumptions, but I think Jordan's going to say, I think they're they're good. Okay. So, Jordan, do you have a desire to build your life for him? Okay. There's a God in heaven. He's personally interacting with mankind. He has a good plan for my life. 
yeah, I guess it makes sense that I would want what he has for me. That's desire. If we had that conversation, we're just having that kind of conversation, don't you think it's reasonable that most people would say, huh, wow, I want that. I desire to have God's best. A reasonable person thinking about a real God has a genuine desire. Hey, desire is great. Desire is where it begins. I told the church, it was so cool. We're flying in. I live in Colorado, okay? Colorado is a long ways away from Guam. And so, you know, we land, we're in Guam, we're driving from the airport over here to Harvest, and while we're driving, guess what we pass? We pass a donut shop. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> but we're driving by, and Winchell's is the donut shop that we drive by, and we're driving, I'm looking, I'm just trying to take in Guam, you know, and we're looking, and see, this is all cool, and ah! You guys have a Winchell's, you know? We're talking about going, we're interacting, we're thinking about it, but we, we haven't done a thing. I mean, honestly, we just talked about it. I mean, we could talk about it until we're, we're salivating for donuts. But until, listen, until, okay, we're sitting here, and we have been talking about going to Winchell's, because we have a desire, we both like going to Winchell's, and we're talking about it, and... Um, We've talked about it for 20 minutes. But until Thomas and I do this, okay, come on, let's go. Yeah, I got keys, I'll drive. If your desire to please God is only this, let me tell you, some people never move beyond it. And interestingly enough, unless you ever do this and take a step, your desire will actually become something that you weary of. You'll wonder about the legitimacy of even the, the conversation. Why are we even talking about this? I don't even know if there is such a place as Winchell's. And, and yeah, I mean, we've talked about it forever, but what's it ever done for me? You, you'll become a skeptic. You'll become a person who really gets tired of people always talking about Winchell's. You know, some of you are at the place where you have had desire to please God, but desire alone left here, really, it was never intended to just be here. Desire has to do something. It has to motivate you. It has to take a step. And so, student, if your walk with God is locked in only to desire you're in a pretty dangerous place. But, but, but before we you know, talk about the dangers of desire, let me say a step toward God always begins with desire. So if you have desire today to please him, you're not in a bad place. But my encouragement is let's go do something with it. The first thing that he has is he has a desire to build. Okay, the second thing that he does, he finally makes it to Jerusalem. Here's what Nehemiah does. He takes a small group of people, very small group, just a couple people. He's riding on a horse, so he's got a, a mule or a horse, and he's going to ride around the city walls. And here's what he does. When Nehemiah is going around these walls, okay, he's probably got some kind of a little note or a scribe that's with him, and he says, hey, take note of this right here. 
So the guy listening, you know, starts to know. And Nehemiah says, okay, this part of the wall is really in good shape. This part's going to be needing very little attention. It's pretty strong. But they go a little bit further. He says, whoa, okay, this is what we're going to need for this section. Hey, this section, man, major breach in the wall. He goes and he continues on a little bit further. And as he goes, he sees, wow, now this can be reinforced, but there's a pretty big crack in the wall here. We're going to have to fix this. He sees another section of the gates and he says, oh, we're going to need a lot of timber. We're going to need these kind of hinges. We're going to need to do this to this part. It's burnt. It's all destroyed. Do you know there were parts of the wall around Jerusalem that, that didn't have to be touched? They were absolutely, completely fine. There were parts of the wall around Jerusalem that were completely leveled. Here's the second thing that he does. He just determines, what do I need to build? Can I ask you a question? I want you to think and process it in your mind. Some of you are a little bit comfortable right now, so, you know, make yourself a little less comfortable. Let me ask you to do this in your mind, okay? If you had to determine the part of your walk with God that most needed to be strengthened, maybe the area of the wall of your life around you that the enemy has easy access, what area needs to be strengthened for you? Um, You know, if I go into a different... I, I I don't drink... I've never been drunk. I'm not being, you know, other than what it is, I, I never have. Do you know, I've, I've never, some of you might find this funny, but I've never taken a drink of alcohol. Now, some people, they're controlled or consumed by it. That which they consume, they're consumed by. For some people to walk into a place where there's alcohol available, Man, they're, they're going to start to sweat. They're going to sometimes tremble. It consumes them. But you know, if I, if I walk into a place and there's just racks and shelves of alcohol, it doesn't, it's not my struggle. You say, well, well, so are you saying you don't have any struggles? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely. Maybe you come up afterwards and you say, hey, pastor, man, hey, thanks for the good sermon. And I might feign humility. Well, thank you, brother. Amen. I'm so thankful that God used it to be a help to you. But maybe my struggle is, I got the big head, you know, thank you very much. You know. So maybe pride is my deal. Do you know all of us have areas in that wall about us that we have to do some personal evaluation and say, okay, what needs to be built? Hey, what's the area where Satan has his way with you? Do you know what it is? Okay, the first thing that Nehemiah does, he just, listen, I have an honest desire to build, and then he starts taking some action. He says, let's do a little trip around the wall, and he determines what is it that needs to be built. Do you know the next thing that he does, and I find this interesting? In fact, you got your Bibles open. Chapter 2, look down at verse number 17. Chapter 2, look down at verse number 17. Here the Bible says this, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, Then said I unto them, Nehemiah speaking, Ye see that the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, the gates are ever burned with fire. 
Come and let, now here's a simple little word, but it's really important. Come and let us, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Verse number 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Hey, do you know what they did? Hey, teenager, here's, here's the process. Nehemiah's got a desire. I I want God to to strengthen those walls. He determines this is what needs to be built. And then he said, hey, you guys want to help? Do you know it was really amazing? These people that had been living with broken down walls for years, they said, yeah, we do. We'd like to see this built up again. Yeah, I'm desirous to see. I don't want to be a reproach. I don't want the enemy to be able to do whatever he wants with me. Hey, Nehemiah, count me in. I want to build with you. I really do believe this. Now, you'd have to be the ones who initiate it. No teacher can do it. No guy like me that's in here for just a couple days. I'm here for a couple days, and then I'm I'm out of here. So I, I can't do this. But I will tell you, you could... Say to somebody else, hey, what do you think? Uh, How about we text each other in the morning to see if we've read our Bible? You say, does that really happen? Yeah, it really does. And do you know what you're doing? You're deciding who can help you build. That you would take your Bible, you'd take a Bible on your phone, and you would take five minutes of your day and read a chapter of the Bible and text somebody and just write, Devos, check. And you know what you're doing? You're helping somebody else to build. Do you think, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, so don't, don't get nervous, but do you think you could ask somebody to help you build? Hey, would you make sure I, ha- I read my Bible? Some of you, you, you use uh, language that you wish you wouldn't use. You really, you have a desire not to use it. Some of you, you text things like OMG, you know? And, and what you're doing by that, it's a simple little expression, OMG. But you know, you just took and inserted the name of God into a flippant little OMG. Some of you, you, you say the word, the name God with such casualness. And you don't want to do that anymore. So you just say to one of your good friends, you say, hey, don't, don't embarrass me when we're around people, but if you hear me say that, would afterwards you just say, hey, you, you said that three times today. Oh, sorry. You, you could ask somebody to help you build. That's all Nehemiah does. He has a desire. He determines what needs to be built. He kind of invites. He says, hey, I'm determining who can help me build. You guys want to build? People said, yeah, we do. Okay, so what does he do, in a sense, the last thing, and and this afternoon we're done. What else does he do? The last thing, take your Bible, look over at chapter chapter number four. We'll speed through this just a little bit. Chapter four, look down at verse number 16. In fact, back up just a little bit, verse number six. Chapter four, verse number six. 
Here the Bible says, so built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together, even to the half thereof. And then it says, for the people had a mind to work. They rebuild this wall. Now it's halfway done at this point. They have accomplished half of what needed to be accomplished, and they do so in incredible fashion, and they did did it because the Bible says the people, they had a mind to work. Yeah, let's do this. Sure, why not? Let's build, and they did. Now look at chapter 6, verse number 15. It's pretty incredible what's about to happen here. Chapter 6, verse number 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elul. In 50 and two days. Do you know that which had laid in ruin for years was fully rebuilt in 52 days? How does that happen? I'll tell you very simply. Here's how it happened. (laughs) A guy had a desire. He goes and he decides this is what has to happen. He invites some other people to build with him and they did something like this. All right, here you go. And he hands it to someone, and somebody else takes that brick and maybe hands it to another person. Someone takes a little bit of mortar, slaps it down in a place, and they put a brick in place. Now, I don't know where the first one was placed, but I know the first one was. And the wall was joined together unto the half and then fully finished in 52 days. Because one person said, hey, I have a desire to build. Do you know when one person takes a step and says, I'd like to see something built? It's amazing how many other people benefit from it. Uh, It's cold sometimes in Colorado. (laughs) I guess you could imagine. I mean, we get buried in snow and all that kind of stuff. and, And some people don't know it, but it actually gets cold in Florida. And for some time, I was in Florida, and and it would get cold in Florida. In fact, one day, this was years ago, we were doing a youth retreat, and uh, we were at a camp called Camp Koinonia. We went to bed that night, and the cabins were very thin, wood-walled cabins, no windows, just screens. We woke up the next morning, and it was like 17 or 18 degrees. That's cold, okay? Okay. There was a, an area where you'd have your meals, and in the middle of that area, kind of, we'll use this as the middle. I mean, there were tables, this is where you'd get your food, but there was a large area where there was this fire pit, and you could go all the way around, people could gather all the way around the fire pit, big chimney right in the center, and there was this kind of a crusty old lady, her name was Mrs. Stewart, she was kind of rugged, okay, and I can remember waking up early in the morning, I'm very cold. So I'm freezing, you know, I come in, and, and uh, Mrs. Stewart is getting a little bit of kindling wood, and she's getting a fire going in this fire pit. And I said, hey, Mrs. Stewart, you need any help? No, I, I got it. Okay, okay, you know, it's all good. And, and uh, she gets a little fire going, and then she gets some bigger logs, puts some larger pieces of wood on the fire, and I mean, she gets a really good fire going. And so I'm standing over by the fire, and I'm getting warm, you know. And I see the first teenager come in. I I saw this repeated several times, but the first teenager comes in, and they have their sleeping bag, and it is just like bound around them. You know, so they come in and fire. (laughs) 
fire is good. Oh, oh, fire. They open up their sleeping bag, you know, they're catching the heat, you know. Fire. Oh, oh, oh. And then you see other teens, more teens are coming in. You know, they're, they're coming in, man, and they're getting all toasty. And, and soon, I mean, you have a group of teenagers packed around this. You see some poor kid come in, you know, he got up late or whatever. He's like, oh, fire. Please let me in the fire. You know, he wants to, I'll stand on the fire. He just wants to get in by the warmth, man. It was so cold outside. And remind me again. Do you remember her name? Who made the fire? Mrs. Stewart. Who was warmed by the fire? Do you know the answer is everybody who came and stood by it. Isn't it funny that sometimes people, when they know, you know, kind of like I was having my conversation with Jordan. Hey, is there a God in heaven? Yes. Does he personally interact with people? Yeah. Now, he's good, so do you think he has a good plan for you? Yes. Isn't it interesting that sometimes people who would know that would willingly sit over here and freeze when they could just as easily come and be warmed by the fire? I don't know what part of this scenario God has for you, but teenager, you actually, I'm talking about you, and I don't don't know who you are, I I don't know your, your sphere of influence, but I do think that if you would say honestly, you know, I do have a desire, I'm willing to take a step. I might even go so far as to invite somebody else. You know, you could start to build. And you may well be amazed that at the end of the 2015-2016 school year here at Harvest, you, teenager, might be surprised at how many people could be warmed by your fire. You have a desire? Then take a step. Do something. And see if someone else, including yourself, is not warmed by that fire. Father in heaven, thank you for, the again, the great attention of this group. Lord, what a thrill it would be to hear of, of spiritual fire that someone has lit and many by it have been warmed. Please help us to, to act on what we know. May we take steps that have been formed by desire and see you accomplish that which would warm many. I pray this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Harvest Echoes and a message titled, A Fire for God, from Pastor Jeff Redlin. It was originally presented in October of 2015 at Harvest Baptist Church on Guam. Harvest Echoes provides you access to a rich archive of sermons and lessons presented at conferences and special meetings at the church. Send us a comment or question by visiting our website, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. 
and thank you for listening to Harvest Echoes.